what you're all unique from one another right and God likes you to be different not everyone has to be exactly the same way some people are smiling some people aren't smiling some people are talkative some people aren't talkative some people are amazing with computers and some people don't even know what that thing is and it's all okay the key is to say God who have you made me to be and how do you want to use the way that you've made me and whatever I'm not good at it's fine don't get caught up in comparing yourself to other people In today's message, Pastor Daniel is going to remind you that you were created to be unique. You are an expression of a creative God with an endless imagination. He created you as a one of a kind, and that was purely intentional. He has purposes for your life that are just for you. Your job is to learn who it is he's meant you to be, then ask him what he wants you to do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Ephesians chapter 5 as he begins his message. Honestly, the journey is messy. My native state of New Jersey is known as the Garden State. Most people don't know that, though, because you fly into Newark Airport and you're literally in the middle of a concrete jungle with big high-rises. But there's very beautiful parts of the state. But... Growing up, we pretty much just lived in kind of normal New Jersey. But as I got older, I had a number of friends who loved the outdoors. And I mean, I grew up playing baseball, but never hiking and camping and all those things. And so I remember as we went into college, I had a number of friends who'd be like, hey, let's go camping. And I'm like, listen, I'd never really done that kind of camping kind of thing. I just assumed you, you know, kind of you pull up your car and you have like, you know, a mattress in the back of the car and you just, you know, you bring a microwave and everything. And so... You know, kind of the way we camp, you know what I mean? Like where it's like you bring the TV into the wilderness and you hang out in front of it, you know? But I learned that that's really, you don't really, aren't supposed to do it that way. And my friends were pretty hardcore. They had all the gear and everything. And so I remember we, we started going camping. And so after college, we, I graduated from college in New Jersey and I moved to, to the Pacific Northwest. I lived in Southern Oregon. And I remember we decided we were living in Southern Oregon. We're like, man, we need to go on a road trip. Right, And so we decided that we were going to do a beautiful loop. We were going to go from Southern Oregon to Yosemite National Park. And then we were going to go from Yosemite National Park. We are going to go to all the southern Utah parks. We are going to do Bryce Canyon and Escalante. And we were going to do Zion National Park. And then we were going to go down to San Diego. And we were going to hang out on the beach for a while. It was like we had a great, this great plan, right? So sure enough, I'm a musician. And so when you're a musician, as I always tell you, you have no money. Right? Except for the musicians who've done really well. They have a lot of money. Everyone else, they have no money. Right? And so, and any money I did have, I was actually buying gear. And if you ever know somebody who's a musician, you wonder why there's like a whole room full of stuff in it because they need all of that. Right? And so you didn't have any money. And so I remember we decided we're going to go camping. And I said, great, okay, I need a good pair of hiking boots, but I didn't want to go buy hiking boots. I mean, like, you know, you only wear them to go hiking. Why do you want special boots to go hiking? You know? So I'd from, like, I got this extra pair of hiking boots. I want you to use those. And so sure enough, we go to Yosemite National Park. Now, you know, Yosemite National Park, I'd seen all the pictures, but I never camped in Yosemite National Park, and my friends were hardcore, right? And so they go up to the ranger station, like, we want a backcountry permit. I'm like, uh-oh, you know? 
I'm like, okay, you know, we didn't bring a portable TV or, you know, this was before cell phones and everything and it wouldn't have worked anyway. But anyway, I was all messed up, you know? And so they go to the ranger station and before I know it, we're like signed up for like a 10 mile hike into the backcountry of Yosemite National Park. And the ranger says, hey, so just so you know, first, if you meet up with a bear out there, there's nothing we can do because we're not going to know exactly where you are. And second, you know, as you get up in that elevation, there's going to be some snow there, so be prepared. And I thought to myself, ah, what's he talking about? So sure enough, we start hiking. And after about the second mile, we start doing a lot of elevation. We're doing switchbacks going up. And before I know it, we're knee deep in snow. Now the problem is, my friend's hiking boots, yeah, the reason he wasn't wearing them was because the heel was falling off of one of them. And so sure enough, I take this one step and the entire sole rips off the bottom of this hiking boot. And so I said, and meanwhile, there's snow. And I'm like, thanks, guys. Now, you don't want to say, what do we do? We end up breaking off the hike, obviously. And we camped right by there. And I couldn't do a whole lot. I was, I was on one boot, you know, in the snow. So it was not very much fun. But why do I tell you this story? Because even though my friends were hardcore, we weren't quite prepared for the journey that we were on. Going backcountry camping in Yosemite National Park at the time that we were going was going to involve snow, but none of us were prepared for it. None of us were. And it was a great picture to me of life because in a lot of ways for each one of us, life is a journey and we're on the journey, but so many of the things that go on in life we're not prepared for. And that's what makes life so challenging. It's what makes it so distressing and perplexing. I get to walk in life with so many of you and things go on that you're just like, I'm really not equipped to do this. I'm really not prepared for this. I really don't know what to do given this situation. I expected this thing and I got this other thing. And so we wanted to do a brand new series called Field Notes because for each one of us, life is a journey. And each one of the sets of circumstances in each one of our lives are unique. Nobody has this exact same journey. So I said, what would it look like if we got notes from the field? People coming and saying, this is a truth that has undergirded my life, that I've learned along the way, that will help me in the challenging times or in the wonderful times to have a great perspective on it. So I've entitled this message, Honestly, the Journey is Messy. And I've done that because in a lot of ways, I did a book release on my book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. And I only gave you three of the six ways that we should walk. And so to start the field notes series, I thought, hey, this is the perfect way to start because each one of these ways that we're learning how to walk, each one of these ways, it's like the field notes. The Lord is saying, this is how I want you to be in the world. This is how I want you to journey through a messy world and a messy life. So I want you to open up in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. We looked at three ways to walk from the beginning of Ephesians 4 to the beginning of Ephesians 5. I'm going to take the other three from the rest of Ephesians 5. If you're new to the Bible, the letter to the Ephesians is in Paul's letters in the New Testament. You have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have the book of Acts, and then you have Paul's letters. And Paul's letters, they normally go in almost size order. So you have Romans, First and Second Corinthians. Those are his longer letters, so they're first. Then you have Galatians, and then Paul's letter to the Ephesians. 
Now, the first three ways that we learned how to walk from Ephesians chapter 4 is in the first couple verses of Ephesians 4, we talked about the need to walk in humility. And I spent time unpacking that. Then from walking in humility, we moved in a really beautiful way to the idea that we each need to walk in uniqueness. And I get that from Ephesians 4, 17 and following. That we each one of us is, should be unique from the world in which we live in. And we also have to make space to be unique from one another. Because guess what? You're all unique from one another. Right? And God likes you to be different. Not everyone has to be exactly the same way. Some people are smiling. Some people aren't smiling. Some people are talkative. Some people aren't talkative. Some people are amazing with computers. And some people don't even know what that thing is. And it's all okay. The key is to say, God, who have you made me to be? And how do you want to use the way that you've made me? And whatever I'm not good at, it's fine. Right? So we need to walk in uniqueness. And then I closed last week from the first couple versions of Ephesians 5 where we need to walk in love. Right? That as you're walking through a messy world, love is the top priority. It's the top priority. Jesus told us that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Right? And then Jesus said, greater love, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. So in the end of the day, if push comes to shove, just say, what does loving someone like Jesus look like right now? And live that way. And in some ways, that's an amazing field note, isn't it? Because right now when I say that, each one of us, there's got to be at least one person in your life who you're not loving the way Jesus would love. Right? So you can take that down. You want a field note, just write it down. Say, love so-and-so the way Jesus would. Right? Now, I'm going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. Look at what it says. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and do not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So you want a great field note? My friends, walk in light. Walk in light. So simple, isn't it? For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, I think this is fascinating because it says that we were once darkness, and now we are light. So in, by saying walk in light, what I'm saying is that according to the Bible, each one of us before Jesus was in darkness. We were darkness. Our entire lives were captivated by living in a way that is dark or unpleasing to God. And because of Jesus, Jesus has moved us from a place of darkness to a place of light. And it says that we should walk in that light. What's beautiful is the Bible says that God is light, 1 John 1, 5, and that in him is no darkness at all. Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 12 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So walk in the light. Now, someone's bound to say at this point, okay, so I'm supposed to walk in light. God is light. There's no darkness in him at all. Jesus is the light of the world. And anybody who follows him shall not be in darkness, but be in light. How do I know if I'm walking in darkness? simple way. I tell this to my kids. You know that you are walking in darkness when you hide, when you 
lie or when you blame somebody else. That's how you know you're in darkness, when you hide. I mean, isn't that what darkness is? Darkness is somewhere that you can hide, right? They, you know, I was talking to somebody who was in law enforcement. They said, well, listen, darker places are easier for shady stuff to go on. Light places, it's very, very hard. So one of the ways you know that you are in darkness or walking in darkness, if there's something that you're hiding, is there something that you're doing that you go to great lengths to make sure nobody finds out about? Maybe you're on the internet and then you clear all your history. Why? What are you hiding? See, you can't hide in the light, right? Like right now, could I hide from you guys? Like I'm standing here in front of everybody. I, mean, I could try and get maybe behind the drum cage or something. I might never get out, but you know, I rock a fat beat when I'm back there anyway. But you know what I mean? It's, you know, it's like, it's like I can't hide. I'm here. The lights are on and I'm in the light. In some ways, whatever you're trying to hide, you think that you're, it's darkness. But the reality is, is that because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And Jesus is the light of the world. Maybe your spouse doesn't know, your kids don't know, or your neighbors don't know. But the true and living God absolutely knows. Each one of us are naked and open to him. So are you hiding something? Are you lying about something? Is there something that when someone asks you, you always tell them what's really not real? That's how you know you're in darkness. Because in the darkness, you can say things that are not true and nobody would know necessarily. Or if you're blaming other people. Now, the reason I have to bring up blame is because the very first thing that happened when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was that they began to blame other people for their situation. And one of the things I love so much about the Bible, and it still speaks very strongly into the culture in which we live, is we live in a blame culture. This is who I'm blaming for my lot in life. I'm blaming the banks, I'm blaming this, the 1%, the 99%, the negative 1%, the Democrats, the Republicans, the this people, the that people. Everyone's to blame. And in the end of the day, when you're blaming something, you're not taking responsibility for who you are. It's because of my parents. It's because of the school I went to. It's because of my first spouse. It's because of my lousy kids. And it goes on infinitely. Now, don't get me wrong. All those things are real in some way. They have an impact. But the Bible places each one of us with responsibility for our own lives. And one of the ways you walk in light as a child of light, because Jesus is in light, is you own your own life. You own the decisions that you make. Sure, maybe you get at the core of maybe why you make certain decisions, but you can't blame somebody else for the decisions that you choose to make. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I get this perfect either. I love to blame people for my situation. No, every single day, the Lord's like, Daniel, you need to own your stuff. It's, this is your life. You make those decisions. Nobody makes them for you. You made those. But how often do we want to blame other people? The reason it's like this is because of that person. And you get all worked up about it. And what it does is it eliminates the ability for the light to reveal in us who we really are, which is what God is interested in. God knows the playing field. He knows the circumstances by which this stuff goes on. But God is interested in the light, in revealing to us who we are and what's going on so that he can do a work in it. Aren't you grateful if you were to go to surgery that the doctor doesn't do the surgery in the dark? I mean, can you imagine that business? You go in there, doctor's like, I got mood lighting on. I don't want you to have mood lighting on. You better put every single light. I want you to know exactly what you're doing. You're not going to be going in there with a scalpel messing with my organs in the dark. It's a great example, isn't it? 
Nobody wants your doctor to do surgery in the dark. And the great physician, the true and living God, because he is light, he does his work with everything clear. He sees it clear as day so that he can get his business done. And one of the ways God purifies our lives, your life and my life, is by us walking in the light, by bringing the stuff out into the open. All the garbage, the temper, the attitude, the shady things that you do. When you bring that stuff out into the light, it's not like the Lord is like, oh, I didn't know that about you. I can't believe that about you. I'm out of here. The Lord's like, no, no. You're owning what I already know that you are. And now that you're owning it, I can do business with it. I can work with this. It's hard to walk in light in a messy world. Because listen, we care about our reputations. We care that what people think about us. So we realize some of the stuff we do might be straight criminal and we end up in jail. And so there seems to be this survival mechanism that keeps it away. We don't want anyone to know that that's who I am. And this is how I work, and you know. But in the end of the day, that's a terrible way to live. It's a terrible way to live. Think about it. When I was camping with my buddies, right? When it would be night, we wanted to get to the next spot. Once I, I ended up buying new boots, by the way. Because we, we weren't done yet. And so I bought some new boots. And when you're camping at night, anybody else, if the moon is really bright in the night, then you can camp, then you can hike without it. But when you go out hiking at night, what do you bring with you? A flashlight. Or if you're hardcore, then you bring like a torch or something. Why? Because the light lights the way. Brothers and sisters, walk in light. I love this. He gives examples of how walking in light actually looks in these verses. Because verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Wow. Don't you love that? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness is the achievement of moral excellence combined with a generosity of spirit. That's one great definition of goodness. Right? Where it's all the things that pertain to what is good. With, and when you think of somebody who's like, man, that person is so good. There's a generosity to who they are, right? Not only like a material generosity, but a personal generosity. They're generous with giving love. They're generous with giving affirmation and joy. They're also generous in loving you enough to talk to you about what's going on because they care about you. That's a good friend. That's a good person. Something like righteousness. Now, righteousness is one of the best ways to understand is to giving all things their due. That everything gets done the proper way. Now, you and I know from the Bible that there's none righteous, no, not one. So what it means is that there's not one human being except for Jesus who gives all things their proper due. We all fail at giving things our proper due. That's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is us failing to accomplish everything in its proper place. And all of us do that except for Jesus. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why he rose again. Because he was the one person who never made those mistakes. So he was the perfect sacrifice for all of us who did. But the fruit of the Spirit is a transformation of life. That we begin to embody the righteousness of Jesus that he shared with us. And not only that. We also have in truth. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? Because when you say things like walk in love, and then you say walk in light, everyone says, oh, well, so you love, I just love everybody. Like, I just love everybody. Right? And you have to realize that love and truth are married in the Bible. That love without truth is hypocrisy. Right? What you're saying is that I love somebody, but if I love them and I won't call the truth the truth, 
the Bible says that's hypocrisy. It's not real love. It's an emotion or a feeling or a decision you make, but it's not based in reality because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, real love is filtered through the truth, and that's why God's word is also used as an amazing example of light. All through the Psalms, it talks about how God's word is a lamp, and it's a light unto my path because God's word shows us this is what is right and wrong. So we gotta walk in light. And I love this because it says finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Because God is light, us finding out what is acceptable to the Lord has us walking in light. Now, this is one of the things I want to tell you. Because everybody here is on a different step of their life journey. A different step of their faith journey. It's not wrong to find out that something that you've always done you shouldn't be doing. Actually, that's actually proof that you're God's child. You don't automatically get convicted for everything right as it happens. Certain things, God works on some other areas of your life, and now it's time for this one thing to be, oh, you can't do that anymore. And the beauty of that is no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, growth should be happening because until you are perfected in fulfillment exactly like Jesus, you're going to have areas to work on. And I love that about life. The beauty of a journey is every step you take not necessarily getting to your final destination. I talk about that in the book, that people love the outcome, but God loves the process. God loves every step of the journey. If you take a beautiful hike, every single step of that hike is infused with beautiful things. You get to have different experiences, different smells, different areas. Sometimes it's barren. Sometimes it's fruitful. Sometimes it's beautiful. But God loves every step that we take. It's like marriage. The problem with the way we do marriage in our culture is everything is focused on the wedding day, right? You put all this energy in, but you never actually prepare for every single day of the journey of marriage. Isn't that where the fun happens? I mean, the party was great up top. But talk about, you know, starting out batting a thousand and then falling off the shelf after that. Because <laughs> a beautiful marriage is built every single day, right? Any relationship is built every single day. No one's like, man, the relationship's great. It's over now. No. See, life is the same way. We have a tendency to want to put off life for a later date. I'll do this later once. No, no, no. Life's happening right now. And God wants each one of us to be on the step that we're on. And part of walking in the light is beginning to reveal, God reveals things to you at the right time. Sure, certain things in your word, you know that it's wrong. But oftentimes the light bulb doesn't go on in your heart for a little while. Like how many people? Jesus came to die and forgive people who sin. And how many of us are frustrated at sinners right now? All of us, right? That all of us in some way are like, man, that's really bugging me. I can't believe they would do that. Right? You get all worked up. But this is what Jesus came to die. So what are we doing? At some point, God conviction, just like, that's why I came. Don't get mad at them. Being mad never makes someone repent. It just pushes them farther away from Jesus. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel began a new teaching series entitled Field Notes. The series is all about what we need to know in order to journey in faith. It's a messy journey we're on and we need to be prepared. The first element we saw today was that God wants us to walk in the light. Jesus has moved us from a place of darkness to a place of light and we're called to walk in it. 
and to break off fellowship with the darkness. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone. Text the word SAVED to 51400. S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will show us that walking in the light means that we bring all our garbage into the light with us. But the good news here is that God already knows all of our garbage. Hiding in the darkness wasn't fooling him. It's when we bring our garbage into the light that God can work with it, however. And you'll find that when you move to the light, there you'll find goodness and truth. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Field Notes. Until then, may God bless.